Good morning, Misfits. You are tuning in to episode four of the Misfit Project. I am your host, Drew Crandall. And as always, over there making sure we sound good is Ted. Ted, how you doing? Doing great, doing great. So I, I have a scenario for you. And I obviously, I know the answer because I know you pretty well. But have you ever been in a situation, you're just going about your day, um, you get into a conversation with someone and you say something and then maybe 30 seconds later, a minute later, two minutes later, you're like, did I say that? Like, yeah, definitely. Was that the choice that I wanted to make? Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's a lot of reactionary, like right. didn't think before I said it, spit it out. And then sometimes there's regret, sometimes not so much, but so, and, and the regret piece would be, you know, maybe you said something that was, inflammatory but you made the choice to say it right yeah so that's sort of a a little bit of a segue into what we're trying to accomplish in this episode this episode is called peace of mind because i am under the assumption that the more we can be in control of what we're trying to accomplish and say and think and do the less stressed out we're going to be if we go on autopilot and we'll dig way super maybe even too far into how this all works if we can get off autopilot and really start to take control of what we're doing we can reduce stressful situations by a lot so we're in episode four and we're kind of telling two stories here that are starting to take shape the first story is what happened to us what happened to people if we have all of these modern advancements why are we getting more and more sick the second story the one that i prefer to talk about more is who is this healthy person that we're trying to be what are these things that we can do to change our situation to help change other people's situation to eventually the end goal and this is obviously very lofty of the misfit project is to make a real change in society and you know trend us towards becoming healthier instead of becoming more sick so if you are tuning in to the to the podcast for the very first time uh, there are two very important steps that come before tackling this peace of mind area and it's sort of up to you whether you want to listen to this and see if you like the podcast Um, but i do recommend going back at least after the fact and listening to the tribes and the sleep podcast so that this story that we're trying to tell is making sense. And Cliff Notes are the tribal piece. We're saying we are really, really asking ourselves to audit our personal relationships to make sure that we're choosing who we're hanging out with, who we're choosing who we want to be around, and then we're getting outside a little bit more. And that's going to set up everything hormonally and maybe even from this stress level that we're going to talk about today to be able to sleep better once we make those changes within our sleep and we start to understand this like clean slate that we can create with an awesome night's sleep for the next day we are further increasing our chances to be optimal from a hormonal level to be able to tackle the day from this peace of mind standpoint so the, the story that you have to tell about our evolutionary biology in terms of how this all works is one that's actually, I would say, over the course of the last five years, um, I've heard the terms fight or flight and rest and digest a lot more than I did uh, 
25 years before that. Yeah, I don't know if I heard it ever before the past four or five years. Right. But we're in this information age, which is awesome in a ton of different ways where it's like we hear it on podcasts, we read it in books, we even, you know, you know, you scrolling through the radio, not that many people listen to the radio anymore, but you're on NPR and it's no longer, you know, nutty, nutty Fred Nutter talking about the bean supper. It's like, it's like, you know, they have these awesome guests on and they're talking about all this super important stuff. We have YouTube, we have all these different places where we would hear this stuff. So I'm hoping that as I take this dive into the science side that you guys have heard some of this before. Um, if not, I will do my best to keep it, uh, short and sweet. And one thing that's really awesome about this now is you guys don't need to go read all of the books that I read. And I'm not trying to say that I don't enjoy it. I love it. But um, YouTube is such an awesome place to be like, all right, he convinced me. I want to know more about the autonomic nervous system. And all I have to do is just sit here and they get these cool graphics and I can watch whatever. I'm not going to sit down and read a book for six hours to try to figure this out. Um, And if you're a nerd in any way, like an actual nerd or like a car nerd or you know you're into the mechanics of how things work the autonomic nervous system within our body is so impressive it's like our body is such an impressive machine and if we can understand how all of this stuff works we might be able to you know hack it a little bit maybe manipulate it a little bit so if you are interested in this stuff, just go to YouTube and type in autonomic nervous system and just watch some of the videos. Um, some of them suck. So if you're watching it and the production's really bad and you don't know what the hell they're talking about, abort as quickly as possible. Um, drop a dislike, get out of there. Yeah, drop a dislike and get out of there. So essentially what we're gonna be what we're gonna be talking about before we get into action items is this idea of our autonomic nervous system, which is our parasympathetic nervous system and our sympathetic nervous system. And the way that I remember it, and you guys can choose a different way, is sympathetic, you would think, is good. You're being sympathetic. I'm saying we're sympathetic towards the person that's sympathetic. Sympathetic is our fight or flight system. So it's like sympathetic. Oh, that guy's sympathetic. That's how I remember it personally. Okay. Um, And then parasympathetics just that other one the rest and digest and if you only have to remember two you can sort of make up your weird way to remember one and then process of illumination we only have one left so the way that this developed throughout our our evolution as a species is we needed to be able in our our fight or flight system we needed to be able to at the drop of a hat go into crisis mode and our body did this awesome job of saying, okay, we're in crisis mode. Um, The example that's used all the time is we're running away from, you know, a lion or something like that, or maybe we're running towards the lion. We're holding a spear, you know, where the the fight or flight's kicked in because we're going to starve to death and die. Uh, There's a bunch of different ways to think of it. And there's a bunch of different reasons why you would think a caveman or, you know, someone even just a few hundred years ago would kick into that system. Um, it could be weather, it could be any of these different things. You know, we have all of these maternal and paternal instincts of something going wrong, you know, with someone in our tribe, whatever it is. So the issue that we have here is that our fat burning turns off, our digestion turns off, hormone production turns off, our immune system stops. Our body is like, it's go time. We're going to mobilize everything. Body's just ultra focused. Ultra focused. And it goes to the brain. It goes to the organs. It goes to our muscles. We're going to take all of our resources 
and use them immediately. And we are not under any circumstances going to do these behind the scenes processes that would typically keep us alive and healthy. Now, this makes perfect sense in the, you know, this setting where we're running from the lion or chasing the lion. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, definitely. Life or death. What it does not make sense for is my iPhone battery is dead. Uh, oh, no. Traffic. All these different things. It traffic just doesn't make sense. But our body doesn't know the difference. And a lot of people use the analogy, if you take a football field and you go 99 yards, that's human history with fight or flight being, you know, this is what we have to do in that one yard that's left is modern history where we're trying to figure out how to use this biology and it's kind of messing with us a little bit. So it, it's not that hard to understand how these modern stressors would wreak havoc on all of this stuff, you know, For sure. and from an intuitive standpoint, we can understand that if we're turning off our immune system over and over and over and then our body kicks it into hyperdrive to try and get it back that its effectiveness wouldn't necessarily be as great as we go on um, so now that we sort of understand what that stress piece is and what we're looking at um, there's always there's always going to be on this on this podcast uh, the you know, we call them the scare tactics, you know, what happens, um, when we're dealing with this, one of the biggest ones is the reproductive system. The reproductive system is going to completely kick off and that leads to infertility, impotence, lowered testosterone production, lack of libido, all, all bad things, all bad things. And people would think that this is just related to sex, but it's not. These are, um, hormones that are, are feel-good hormones, hormones that give us energy. Um, we're supposed to operate in a certain way. And if we start to pull pieces out of the puzzle, um, it's just not going to look right. Things aren't going to be there. We need all of these things to kind of go together. And then one of one of the ones that that's really sort of kind of scary and hits home with me personally is that the link between stress and bacterial overgrowth in our stomach is huge. So we have this really scary negative feedback loop of we get stressed, we screw up our gut bacteria, our gut bacteria is linked or or the bad gut bacteria is linked to so many psychological disorders that you can see how if I was stressed out and I screwed up my gut bacteria and that sent the wrong signal to my brain and now my hormones are off, and I I'm develop one of, one of these psychological disorders. I mean, it can go anywhere from depression to major depression to schizophrenia to all of these really scary places. But how do I get out of that? Wouldn't you see yourself, you'd be more stressed because you were dealing with that psychological disorder. Yeah, and I'm sure when you're dealing with psychological disorders, changing your diet to fix your gut bacteria is not top priority. Well, and it's also like that's why that's, that's a perfect segue into to the next topic next week. That's yeah. why we're going in this order. We have to try to accomplish these things one step at a time to be able to set ourselves up for success. So when we have that mental piece, it's easier to make better choices with your diet because you're not so stressed out. Yeah. And that's not just 
you know, we have these intuitive pieces. We have what people would call the woo woo side of things where it's more of a feeling than a science, but there is science behind that because when we go into that sympathetic nervous system, one of the major things that we do is we get this huge insulin spike, get this huge blood sugar spike. Our body's like, go, 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 go. We got to do this. We have to mobilize. We have to pull glucose out of muscle tissue. We need to use this. So then what happens when you come back down? Your body asks for it. You just used it. Your body's like, hey, you were just stressed out. We just used glucose. That's why when you're stressed out, you make those like like really dense carbohydrate choices. Cookies. Yes, exactly. Ice cream. Stress eating. Yes. That's our body saying you just wiped this out because we were stressed out. And if we were stressed out on purpose, which is a huge part of the fuel thing, if, if we pulled that stuff out of muscle tissue because we were using our muscles on purpose, then we just put it back in. That's not that big of a deal. Right. We come back down on, on purpose. We downregulate. We refuel we're done. We move on. We, the body asked for it. We gave it to it. We're good. But does it make sense? Do you think that your body needs to refuel after an argument, you know, with a guy at a stoplight? <laughs> no, no, no. It doesn't make sense to go there. So we have these, these systems where it's, it's so hard to, to make positive choices when we're always in that sympathetic over and over and over. And another thing that's really challenging is if we stay, and this is actually a segue into there's this huge conversation and it's nowhere near as important as these other topics, but post-workout nutrition, like there's always the, the like chug your shake the second you get done. But if we know that we can't digest and we know that when we release cortisol into the bloodstream and when we get the stress response going that it's almost impossible for our body to take carbohydrates and put them into muscle cells then there's no real point in chugging that there's, shake. there's no real point in chugging that shake we need to come down and that added stress after there's there's research on on the added stress after a workout is still just a continuation of getting fit so it's not necessarily a bad thing we have to have that gradual coming down where we're, you know, letting the testosterone go through the bloodstream. We're, you know, slowly going from that balance of sympathetic and parasympathetic. What happens there um, from, from a lot of the research that I've looked at is we start to circulate that glucose in the bloodstream and it can attach to freeform fatty acids and that would create triglycerides, which are now more along the lines of the number one thing they're looking for for heart disease, not necessarily cholesterol. They're looking at our triglycerides and triglyceride is just going to be that glycerol molecule, which would be the glucose. Tri is three fatty acids are two. So we add that glucose molecule and that's going to be that adipose tissue, that stuff. And when we make that, that greater cellular bond, it's now two instead of three, it's harder for it to get out through the cell wall. And that's why body fat can actually stay on our body longer than you know, just circulating stuff right. that's circulating through right. our blood. So that was meant to scare people. <laughs> Did it scare you? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So there's, there's, there's something here that we, we do, uh, training camps for, 
elite level athletes and this is the part where i say it's dr phil time um we've sort of already gone there you know this podcast is much different than than a lot of the seminars that we do but we have to know who the enemy is if we're going to defeat them like there's no sense in trying to you go online you see that meditation is good for you you meditate and then you go out into the world and just continue acting like an asshole we need to know what we're trying to accomplish in my opinion like are we stressed out what behaviors do we have that we don't like if we take a full step back what do we think is causing the stuff that's going on so there's this piece of stress acknowledgement that i think is the very first step before we have action items we have to know who the enemy is and there are so many different ways i know that there are going to be so many different types of people listening to this podcast and there's so many different ways to go hopefully you have someone in your life that you can talk to about this we all know that once you sort of let it out it gets a little bit better so hopefully we have that person if we don't have that person there's obviously professionals that do that that you can go talk to um and then there's just yourself so there's um you know grabbing a pen and a piece of paper and writing some stuff down and just getting it out into the world like these are the things that if i looked back on my day like I wish I hadn't have done that, or I wish this hadn't bothered me so much. Um, you know, it's this tiny little thing that got to me that shouldn't happen. If we know what the enemy is, that's when we can start to say, oh, this is like a test retest thing. Like that didn't bother me, bother me as much today. I tried to change this and it didn't work. I need to work on something new. I think recognizing when certain triggers bother you in and of itself yeah just recognizing that gives you a step up in the fight to like de-stress it absolutely just knowing because then you've written it down or you've thought about it you're in the moment and it happens and you're like oh wait i mean this shouldn't bother me that much right yeah and that's that ultimate goal like like i don't know that anyone is going to reach enlightenment from listening to this podcast we're not going to create the buddha um you never know i hope we do that'd be great <laughs> and we can learn from them so but that's that's the goal right like when we're in it we're out there in the world and we are oh we were so close to reacting in a way that we didn't want to anymore but then we're like wait this doesn't matter this like uh, so many things that bother us are like inanimate objects that have just no opinion whatsoever and it's like man i'm giving so much to this i'm like sacrificing like my day and my health and my well-being and my peace of mind because i'm so reactionary so now it's on to action items what can we actually do it's great again have the phrase don't talk about it be about it there are so many things that we can do and we can say and we can preach but behind closed doors we actually have to take some sort of action to be able to make a change in our own life and you will find and i can tell you from personal experience you will find that it's much easier to convince somebody else of something when you're actually doing it and embodying it than just talking about it um, people can sniff out bullshit pretty quickly. They're like, this guy's telling me to do X, Y, and Z. And he's stressed out all the time. Like, I can tell he doesn't, why would I trust him if his methods are so great? Then why? So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're not even thinking of yourself, you're thinking of somebody else in your life that you want to help, 
try to embody this first by yourself. Create this scenario so that you can say, hey, haven't you noticed that, you know, like I did this or this or this the other day and normally I would have, you know, grabbed a stapler and thrown it over to the other side of the room, but I just thought it was funny. Um, so it's, it's really important, I think, to, to sort of walk the walk a little bit here. So something that I've developed and, and I don't want to take complete credit for it because obviously a lot of this stuff is just me reading a bunch of stuff and listening to a bunch of stuff and, and taking, you know, the outside world in and compiling it. But something that I've developed is what I call the three check-in system. Um, the idea being first and foremost, that you just got a fantastic night of sleep. So you set yourself up to succeed. You woke up in the morning, you have energy and your ability to just launch into your day is sympathetic function. Like everyone's been there. You wake up late. You've got like three minutes. You do that thing where you you pull your pants on and whatever, and you're running out the door and you're spilling coffee on yourself. And you know, maybe the dog runs outside and just all kinds of, just all this stuff is happening, but you're able to deal with it and you're able to start your day because of your sympathetic nervous system. You're telling your body it's on, let's go. But we can't run on that. We can't live our life that way. We've sort of just gone over that a lot. So what we can do is we can take time for ourselves in the morning to make sure that we're setting ourselves up to succeed. This next part, I want, I want you guys to grab a pen and a piece of paper and write down all of the different ideas that you get from what I'm saying could be part of your morning routine. Now, We've talked about this in previous weeks. If you're that type of person that has a ton of time or you're obsessed with mental or physical performance, do all of it do, or do as much of it as you can. Take as much time as you can, you know, take the 30 to 90 minutes before you head out into the world to set up your day. And if you're the opposite and you're like, you've got to be kidding me right now, you want me to do what? Find the small thing, find the thing that resonates with you. Like, I bet I could pull that off in the morning. I bet that would help me a little bit and start there because I've found that with clients, it takes a lot to convince them to do the five to 15 minutes, but then it ends up being 30 or 60. They end up seeing the benefit from it and adding other parts to their, to their routine to get there. So we sort of talked about this in the sleep podcast. The very first thing that I want people to do is to get your ass out of bed. Like right when you wake up, wake up, get out of bed, get some sunshine. What you're doing there is you are setting up your circadian rhythm. You are letting your body know I'm awake. The sun is letting your body know it's time to start producing cortisol. And the next step is essentially assurance that that cortisol is going to happen. And we talk about cortisol in a negative light a lot, but we need it. What we don't need is for it to be just as high in the middle of the day and later in the day as it was at the beginning of the day. So what we're going to do there is we are going to create a movement practice right after we get that sunshine. And this needs to apply to you specifically, not me, not Ted, not your neighbor, not someone you see on Instagram. You need to know what would spike your heart rate. That's not going to hurt you. That's not going to, you know, screw with, you know, exercise later on in the day or your energy levels. For me, it's super simple. It's a 15 to 25 burpees. That'll get most people. I think. Yeah, it will. But maybe that's too much. Sure. Yeah. 
nothing wrong with literally going over to your couch and doing box squats on the couch. Sit down, stand up until you can feel your blood pressure start to pump up a little bit. You're good. That's it. That's all I need. Walk up and down the stairs. Whatever you got to do, get yourself moving and let your body know we're awake and we want to start that cortisol high so that it can drop low. The melatonin can start low and then it can go high. We want to get into that vein. Now, the next step is making sure that we head out into the day with a little bit of hydration. And that'll be part of the fuel episode that's next week. But um, a lot of the metabolic processes that go on during your sleep, and we talked about all this awesome stuff that can happen while you're asleep um, and, you know, getting rid of waste products. A lot of it is fueled by making sure that you actually have adequate hydration. So uh, standard practice would be, you know, decent quality water, um, a pinch of pink salt in the water, chug it down. Um, studies show that 16 ounces of water at a time do the best job of, of hydration. So it would be something like 16 ounces of water, pinch of pink salt, chug it down, you're done. Personally, I do 16 ounces, then my movement and 16 more. But I found that that works for me personally because I do a shit job during the day of drinking water. Yeah. Um, essentially my test is, are you that person that is so thirsty at the end of the day? And then like water is the greatest thing in the world in the middle of the night. If that's the case, we need to work on our hydration a little bit. I am not in the, you know, 75 glasses of water a day, carry your, you know, gallon jug around. It's more about you making sure that you're hydrated, but a lot of things that need to happen within your body, uh, we need to be adequately hydrated. So I won't go too far down that rabbit hole right now. Um, the next portion is the one that's going to need to be highly personalized. And that is, um, some sort of mindfulness practice. So my, you know, when you're working with a bunch of different people uh, you need to be able to speak their language. So what I call it is being in it, being really in it, really dedicated to for a short period of time, it's just you and your brain, your body, not a ton of thoughts. And that could be a breathing practice. And there are so many of these. And it could just be as simple as iPhone timer goes on five minutes, count your breaths until it turns off. Count to 10, start over, count to 10, start over. That would be a awesome place to start. Yeah, there's a lot of really great apps in there the are. app store too that are, a lot of them are free and they provide, you know, a five minute, somebody's talking you through right. breathing and it's nice because it takes the inexperienced part out of it. Right. Like if I don't know what I'm doing, they tell you what to do. They it's say, stressful. Yeah. Yeah. It's stressful. Yeah. And then sympathetics on parasympathetics off. And we're, we're doing the opposite of what we're trying to right. do. Right. Right. So the apps make it super, super easy. And there's a ton of them. If you just search for meditation or breathing or whatever in the app store. Definitely. So we have the breathing practice. We could go straight into meditation. Like Ted just said, we've got a bunch of apps in the, in the app store where you can download those, you can go again, you can go right back to YouTube and find videos on how this would be possible. How do I get started? What do I do? We will shoot a video very soon, um, that I've been thinking about for a while called meditation for type a personalities. And the goal will be to get you guys to understand that there is a way to visibly see if you can afford a heart rate monitor, visibly see whether 
you are engaging your parasympathetic or sympathetic. And when you give a type A personality a scoreboard, things get a little bit easier. Okay. So that's something that we will do that I think a lot of people will benefit from, and it'll be their segue into actually developing some sort of mindfulness practice. Another thing that's really awesome for this is contrast showers. Um, and a lot of people are probably thinking that sounds kind of stressful. Um, but let's look at the scientific side. Cold therapy has outperformed SSRI medication in many studies, many, multiple, for the treatment of depression and anxiety. SSRI being being um, antidepressant, antidepression, antidepressant. Oh my god, I can't speak right now. <laughs> Antidepressants, anti-anxiety, um, essentially mood changing medications. Right. And SSRIs are uh, a very hot topic. Um, one of those things that it's like, uh, sort of like stranger things. You talk about it and the like black, the helicopters will show up over Ted's house right now. And the people from the pharmaceutical companies that are making billions of dollars a year over the placebo effect, um, cut our power off, cut our power off the podcast. If it ends here in three seconds, you guys will know why. Um, I think that's probably a separate, probably a separate podcast going over, you know, how that, you know, how that all works and, um, but one thing to know, one thing to grab hold of is you are, during our evolution, we were exposed to a lot of heat and a lot of cold and it had a pretty profound effect on our bodies. It allowed us to be okay with the hot and cold. Now we're in our house and it's, you know, it's pretty nice in here right now. It's probably about 70 degrees, somewhere yep. in that range. Um, if we're always there, we know what it's like, you know, you pe- people out there that really hate the the great outdoors because every time you go out, you're either, you know, sweating your ass off or you're freezing and it's really affecting you. Um, there's something to exposing yourself on purpose in a controlled setting to cold therapy, to heat therapy. So I find that you have to be in it when it comes to the cold. You're just, you're not in the shower with the cold and, and you guys should start really slow with this stuff. So you can do, or, or if you're, again, we, we talk about this, we go back and forth. It's like, if you're that personality, that's like, bring it, you want to go in and throw that baby all the way on cold and just realize like two minutes in that you're fine. Go for it. I do recommend a slower approach where you're taking a hot shower and you go to cold and you try to, you know, first time it's five seconds and then you put it back and then it's 10 seconds and it's 15 seconds, but you will find you will know exactly, if you don't know what I mean by I'm in it right now, you will know what I mean if you go after the cold showers. You're not thinking about anything else. Yeah. You are there. You are present. Trying you're to catch your breath. focusing on your breathing. Yep. You are really sort of able to understand sympathetic versus parasympathetic because you're instantly going to be kicked into sympathetic and it's going to be your task to get yourself not to care. And I can tell you that when I start, when I personally started doing this, it was literally because, you know, I'm, we're living in Maine. So the water's already cold and I have a well and that's even colder and take, you, you takes your breath away. Like I would turn the shower on and yeah. now when I turn the shower on, I don't, I don't notice anything, especially if I've done a breathing exercise prior or if I've been in a hot shower or anything like that. But I can even now, if I go in and I really stand there for five seconds and get myself into that parasympathetic, I can turn it on all the way cold and be perfectly fine. And we're not talking about years and years of practice. We're talking about a pretty short period of time. So, so far we have sunshine, 
movement practice, hydrate yourself a little bit, and then make sure that you set yourself up to succeed by just taking that, you know, we do the, on Instagram, we do the morning meditations. Essentially, we try to put a quote in there and then our interpretation of it and how you could maybe meditate with that thought for five minutes before heading out into the world. And that's sort of a segue into intention setting. There are a bunch of different ways to do intention setting. I know that um, like gratitude um, journaling and practices is really, you know, popular right now. And that's awesome. So essentially, before you head out into the world, you just remind yourself of what you're grateful for. Um, For me personally, I use the the book, The Daily Stoic, which has a quote at the top from one of the Stoic philosophers and then sort of the modern day interpretation. And a lot of that applies to basically everything that we've been talking about right now, that peace of mind, that, that concept of, you know, don't give these, these external, you know, forces, the power to control how you feel throughout the day. So that's the one for me. I know a lot of people use the Bible. Um, it's really about what, if, if you were going to decide how you were going to act the entire day, if you could do that, if you could just pre-program yourself, you're in your house, um, we're going to, just decide we're going to say how we wish we want to act and eventually the goal would be 10 percent of the day you act that way and then 20 and then 30 and then by the end or by the you know the point in your growth where you're happy with you know 80 percent of the time i'm really embodying what i want to embody not what the misfit project is telling me to embody but what i feel how i feel i should act throughout the day so that intention setting is there um And we're really, again, just setting a goal for how we act throughout the day. The next and sort of last piece to this is um, going after a to-do list. This, for me, has changed a lot for my stress and production throughout the day because it's like the to-do list sets us up to not stress all the damn time about the stuff we keep forgetting because we all have so much to do because we're so hyper-connected in so many different ways. And a lot of people probably think, oh, it's just me. I'm super busy. I'm you know, more stressed out than someone else. But the more you talk to other people, the more you realize, regardless of your occupation, um, your social setting, we're all dealing with a lot of very similar issues right now. And when we hit that to-do list and say, okay, this is what I want to accomplish today, even if you don't accomplish it, you don't have that scrambling like, like, sick to your stomach feeling of what am I forgetting? Right. What am I forgetting to do? And that's going to stress you out a lot. So that's, that's really sort of where I want to take that morning routine. We will continue to do podcast episodes where we dig further into each piece, but I wanted you guys to write this down and interpret it on your own. Like what could I do to start this process and really what it's doing. And you guys, I promise you will notice this right off the bat I remember back when I was, you know, working in the construction industry, I'd have meetings at like 7 a.m. and they'd be like two hours away or like an hour and a half away or something like that. And I would dread having to get up early, but then being able to drive for that time and like have my coffee, I was way more intelligent in those meetings than I ever was, you know, when I had a meeting at 7 a.m. that was right down the street from my house at the office. Um, And it was something that I always noticed, like maybe 30, 45 minutes into the drive, I had sort of this clarity of, you know, maybe I was just listening to music and drinking coffee and sort of like in the zone, there aren't that many people on the road. So the traffic's not really an issue. That's for me when I noticed like, holy cow, that 
that like modern version of like just jump into your jeans and run out the door is not setting me up to succeed in any way. So the morning routine and whatever version you create for yourself, that's what we're going to be going for. Now, I wanted to attach a couple of scientific pieces for anybody out there that's wondering about um, the meditation or maybe even about the journaling. Um, The multiple studies have shown that regular meditation calms down signaling between your prefrontal cortex. That's going to be your thinking brain and your insula, which is going to be your emotions. Now, would we want to calm down the signaling between our thinking brain and our emotional brain? Yes, that would be good, right? Definitely. We're going to start to make those choices. And that's going to help relieve feelings of fear and anxiety and stress and allow you to address these modern stressors in a more rational perspective. At the same time, and this is all through scientific study where they're, you know, hooking you up to all these fancy machines. Meditation strengthens the connection between the prefrontal cortex and the insula, again, between the thinking brain and the emotions. So we're both simultaneously calming down that conversation and strengthening that conversation, making sure that it actually works. So it's like you can understand it more, but not react to it necessarily. Exactly. Because if that connection's broken, we can understand it's... We can understand how not being calm through that connection would make sense, why that wouldn't be good. But also if it was broken, that would be really bad. So if we're simultaneously creating a better connection and making ourselves calm, we're sort of two birds with one stone. And they found that there is a massive increase in empathy in facilitating positive interactions with those around you when we do this. So what essentially how they can find this is they can have these people go through this study, they can measure how it works, and then not sort of pre-program them to go out into the world. They just say, you do this study, you're good, go out there, do your thing. And then as they interview and as they monitor, they find that just through that, without any coaching whatsoever, that we're increasing empathy and facilitating positive interactions with those around you. And that's pretty profound. Yeah, certainly. It's, it's that thing of maybe we are better at this than we think. Maybe we're nicer than we think. Maybe helping others to help ourselves is something that would motivate us if we just took like a full step back and like looked at everything. Like, okay, I'm going to slow this all down and I'm not even being coached to be a nicer person. I might not even be asking myself to be a nicer person yet that time that I took for myself. It's like, oh, that's, that's actually my default. I've just gotten like so far away from it that it's, you know, it's super challenging. And, and cultivating that positive interaction harkens back to episode two, talking about tribes and, you know, being around people that you care about in a positive environment. It'll just make that that much easier. Right. And if you go back and listen to that episode and hear what happens when you have those from a scientific standpoint, the motivation is there yeah for sure when we look at studies that go into the gratitude exercises the journaling sharing daily wins with your friends and family um, they're finding people to be happier more positive and more emotionally open after just two weeks of going through these exercises so i think the take home there the one that really hits for me is being emotionally open after just two weeks, we talked about, we have to know the enemy. If we're not emotionally open, there's just no chance there. And there's this, you know, 
masculine energy that, you know, I, I think I'm probably want to talk to, you know, the male population a little bit more right now that, you know, the joke of we'll stuff our feelings down and who talks about this and who does that. That's fine. If you want to joke about that and keep your public persona, go for it. I'm not even telling you not to do that. Um, unless you're persuading somebody else to act that way, then that's, you know, really you're just putting your shit onto somebody else. You got feelings? A little whiskey will fix that. <laughs> yeah. So we need to go after this morning routine type stuff so that we can circle back and decide who's that person we want to talk to. Okay. It's not, you know, wimpy to get out a journal and write something down. You're not, um, you know, weak if you ask somebody for help. So if that first piece is so hard for you, but you're willing to go after, you know, that intention setting in the morning and that to-do list, that's when we can circle back. And again, we can find that our default is actually in the, in the right place. We just have to get back to start over. So we have this morning routine, but I said it was a three check-in system. The midday check-in is really important because like to, you know, to quote a, a Vietnam saying, you're in the shit when you're out there in the world. Like you really are, you're in it. And you'll find that like the midday check-in on a Monday is very different than your Sunday midday check-in. You might check in on Sunday and be like, wow, Sundays are great. It's been a great day. It's been a great day. You know, you're, you know, you set your alarm for your midday check-in, your phone or your watch or whatever, or your, you know, talking speaker. There's so many different ways to alert yourself nowadays. Um, you check in on a Monday and things are different. You're in it. You're, you know, bombarded with all this stuff at work or you were in a car accident or again, you know, to joke around about the phone, it's always the phone. You're, you know, not getting very many likes on a photo all of these different pieces, we're going to check back in with ourselves and we're going to run down through that list. And we're going to say, even if we only have a couple of minutes, you know, did I do what I was supposed to this morning? Did I get some sunshine? Maybe should I walk outside right now and park it on a bench? Maybe it's lunchtime. Maybe this is part of your routine. What's the movement piece here? Did I not do that this morning? Um, am I feeling restless? Could I maybe, you know, could I maybe sneak a walk in or something like that during lunchtime, during my midday check-in, you know, whatever works for you, for your schedule. Um, my mindfulness practice, what did that do anything for me? Or at 10 AM, was I just, whoa, just way all over the place. Do I need on that park bench or on that walk to take a few deep breaths, to just chill out, just give myself a second. And again, a lot of this can be accomplished in a very short period of time. And then maybe the most important is that intention setting. How am I doing? What's my grade so far for the day? And because I'm acknowledging that I either did what I wanted to and it went really well and I'm happy about it, or I know why things didn't go well and I can fix it in the second half of the day, that intention setting is really important. And then, you know, I don't know that it's completely necessary, but it's something that you can do if you're really analytical as a person. It's just check on that to-do list. Am I, oh no, like, did I, did I do what I was trying to do? But if you're trying to calm yourself down and you didn't get anything done, I wouldn't worry about it too much. <laughs> but that's the midday check-in. It's this concept of, okay, I set out to accomplish X, Y, and Z during this day. Did, how am I doing? Where am I at? And it's a simple, you know, walk back through the steps to say, 
this is how I'm going to fix this, or this is how I'm going to just make it a little bit better at least. It's potentially a clean slate if the first half of your day didn't go quite the way you planned. If something out of your control happened and it threw you into a spiral, that midday check-in could be a point where you say, okay, let's try again. Absolutely. And the argument from people that are stuck in that sympathetic way would be like, I don't have time for this. But if you're stuck there and things are going wrong, you're doing more harm than good in whatever activity you're doing, whether it's your job, whether it's your relationship, whether it's anything that you're doing, you're not making anything better if you're not able to go back and check in. So in my opinion, that argument's pretty easy to overcome. It's like anyone. I mean, it's essentially like saying I can't go to the bathroom. I have a job where my boss doesn't let me go take a piss. That's probably not the case. So there's not a very good job. No, no, that doesn't sound legal. Reevaluate. Yeah. Reevaluate, (laughs) reevaluate your whole life if that's your job. So there's no difference between shutting the door to your office, going outside, whatever it is with all of this, you are very capable of having this check-in. You just have to let yourself do it. I mean, what's, what's five minutes? Exactly. And what's five minutes turns into this works so well for me. I'm going to take my 15 minutes or my 30 minutes or my lunch break is now dedicated to this. Right. I mean, hell, if it's lunch, we better be in rest and digest, right? Yeah. Or we're not going to digest our food. Right. Then we're dealing with irritable bowel syndrome. We're dealing with all of these people that have digestive issues that think that, you know, maybe they're allergic to this or that, or they're just, oh, well, my stomach's not good. I have bad genetics. Um, you're not going to digest anything if you're super stressed out. Last but not least is the evening routine. So we've made it back home and you guys know most of the evening routine if you listen to, essentially listen to the sleep podcast from last week. Um, If not, go back and listen to it. We'll do a little bit of a, a quick recap, but we're trying to at least two hours before bed, start the process of down regulation. And Again, go back and listen to that podcast, but we're talking about, um, you know, make sure that anything that you're watching is fiction, make sure that you're not exposing yourself to, you know, a ton of light, um, get yourself some blue blocking glasses. But more importantly than that, when we're talking about creating a setting for peace of mind is just a shift in, in what you're up to. Like we can all think of like our work self or, you know, I haven't personally been there other than with just, you know, making sure my dogs are okay. But like, you've got kids and after work, it's like getting the dinner ready for the kids and it's soccer practice and it's helping with homework or whatever. That version of you needs to turn off at some point, or you're going to carry it into your bedroom and then you're not going to sleep very well. So that evening check-in is really that evening routine and check-in is really about making sure, okay, I'm setting myself up to succeed for the next day. Um, this is what I need to do to get back into that mindset so that I can sort of wipe the slate clean while I'm sleeping and start this entire process over in the morning. The one thing that I will add to the evening routine that wasn't mentioned in the sleep podcast for this specific reason is a 10 item list before you go to bed. Now this can be a continuation of your to-do list. It could be your to-do list for the following day, but it, What I really want it to be is 10 things that you just want to get out of your head. So it could literally just be a thought, but you have your, your homework is 10 things, write 10 things down, write any 10 things down. How did your day go? 
Um, what would you like to improve? And again, it could be a to-do list or maybe it could be a like more big picture to-do list. I'd like to accomplish this. I'd like to pull this off. I'd like to make this change. Um, but make that list not just because it's going to help with the stress, but again, we go back to the research side of things. They've found that people that do that to-do list sleep better afterwards. It's just this, it's like a purging of, clearing your of head. thoughts. Exactly. Yeah. Clearing your head. And I'm sure that there's a piece of sharing this maybe with another person, um, but you have to keep in mind that you could potentially affect their sleep. If you're purging yourself and then entering it into this other person, there's an opportunity for them to be like, Oh, I didn't know this was going on with them or whatever. Right. And then, you know, the person that's sleeping next to you is tossing and turning. And then who knows if your sleep's going to go that well. So quick recap here, we are dealing with an evolutionary biology that says we are either all out mobilizing everything that we can do you know, dealing with these modern stressors, like I want you to think of what, think of one example for me of something that's stressful for you that comes up multiple times in a week. Multiple times in a week. That you react to. Um, Putting him on the spot here. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Uh, I mean, multiple times a week is, I would, I'll generalize it and I'll say dealing with co-workers whose opinions differ greatly in some instances um and things don't get done right that is something that affects me on a daily weekly monthly basis right so i mean this is this is actually a perfect example because there's validity here there's like it's not as trivial as talking about a phone or traffic or whatever yep but if you were told that continuing to react to it multiple times a week would increase your risk for cancer, heart disease. It turns off your ability to produce testosterone for your immune system to shut off. So, you know, we're living up in Maine. It's turning into fall. The, the, the cold and flu bugs are going to be bumping around. Is it worth that? Certainly not. Right. Yeah. So, so we can find those pieces in our lives where it's like, man, this really is stressful and it's also important, but is it worth what we're paying for it? So we have to find a way to work around these things and it's not going to be overnight. It's going to be figuring out how to set yourself up to succeed on a more regular basis so that you can catch yourself in these moments and say, I'm looking for a solution here, not like going internal and being like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Like, ah, I can't do this. Right. So that's really what we're going for. And we need to be able to find balance here. This sympathetic nervous system is not like, we're not going to demonize it. We use it, um, through exercise, through again, through, um, putting ourselves through stress on purpose. We use it to grow and that's great, but we need balance between these two. And you can see how, rest and digest just being like a blob and having no like muscle tissue would be a problem. Like going all the way into parasympathetic is not, you know, our goal either. It's a balance between these two. It's letting our bodies 
operate properly. And again, I'm begging you guys, if this is interesting at all, to go learn about it because it's fascinating how it regulates, you know, organs and hormone production. And it's like a little bit to the left of this like meter and this turns off and this turns on and it's fascinating how it all works. So this is, this is what we're dealing with. And the three check-in system is trying to create a situation where we can decide when we want to turn this on and off. And it's never going to be perfect, but we can make it a lot better. And if we know that this can lead to us being obese and having diabetes and cancer and heart disease and all of these buzzwords that we're very familiar with, you know, in the modern world in general, but you know, it hits home here in the United States. It hits home here in a place like Maine where we, you know, have a lot of areas that are a little bit more, you know, maybe low income that are dealing with these problems that don't have the education on how to fix them. Like we see a lot of this stuff around us. So it hits home and there's motivation to not only help ourselves, but to help other people. So we are at that point in the podcast where, um, we're asking that if you enjoyed this podcast, if you enjoyed previous podcasts, to please share them. Um, you can do it through social media. If you're not really big into social media, you can just tell someone to go to misfitproject.com. Most most people nowadays, I think that's the lowest barrier to entry when it comes to getting everyone in. Yeah, for sure. You know, for sure. not saying go to Facebook or Instagram and having someone that's a little bit older maybe tell you no. Um, right. Misfitproject.com. Click on blog. That's where our podcasts live. That's how you can get somebody else started on this. Because obviously, if you're listening, you're already here. Right. And and we'll post podcast uh, announcements on our Facebook page, so you can easily share through there. I know. I'd say that's number two. Most I think, most of the world is connected through Facebook. Yeah. You know, grandmas, grandpas have Facebook nowadays. Right. Moms and dads. Um, so it's a good way to spread the word if it's something that you want to do. But like Drew said, misfitproject.com. I mean, everything's there. That's as who we are, what we do. It's all there. Exactly. And that's as easy as it gets. Um, the hashtags that we want to use so that we can find out how this stuff is going for you guys. Hashtag the misfit project will always work. We'll we'll go through that and make sure we see everything that you guys do and communicate with everyone. And as we get started, it's going to be a lot easier to, communicate with people than it is if this is kind of a major success. So if you guys want to let us know how things are going, use that hashtag on social media. And then for this specific topic, um, we are doing hashtag TMP mind, TMP, the misfit project mind. And you can find these hashtags as well as a rundown of the show in the show notes at misfitproject.com. So in that that TMP mind, if you guys search that, you're going to find those morning meditations. That hashtag is always applied there. And it's just our way to try and help if you don't know which direction to go in with this intention setting, with you know the breathing exercises. What we're asking is you open up the Instagram page. And if you get up super early, just use the one from the day before. They'll all be right there. If you get up super early, go read that read our interpretation of it, create your own interpretation of whatever the quote is or the thought and just sit there and breathe for five minutes. That's all we're asking. Deep in, deep out, count, think about it. It's okay to think. You know, we're talking about with type A personalities and I suck at meditating. You can't, you cannot suck at meditating. It's not possible. You're just sitting there. Like convince yourself that it's worth the five minutes and then you're fine. You're, you're there. 
Um, we don't need to, to start off with, you know, moving to Nepal and being in a cave and meditating for 15 hours a day. It can be five minutes, positive thoughts, deep breaths that will get you started. So now, as we talked about, we're setting up this, this story, this narrative for what's gone wrong, some ideas on how to fix it. We've entered into this system where we're sleeping better and we're using the three check-in system and we're acknowledging the fact that we don't have to sort of be like a slave to this stress response all of the time. We're getting a little bit better with it. Now our hormones and our minds and our bodies are ready to talk about everyone's favorite topic, nutrition, nutrition, nutrition. We're going to get a lot of views and listens and all that for this. Um, it'll be on the misfit project next week. So be ready. Um, as always, please go to our Instagram and give us a follow, throw a few likes our way. The misfit dot project at the misfit dot project on Instagram, like some stuff on Facebook, do what you can, uh, to support us. And the very lofty ask of, if this is a good podcast, the way that we're going to be seated on iTunes is through five-star reviews. The more five-star reviews that you have, and we're not asking you to give us a five-star review if you don't think it's five stars, but if you do, it would be awesome. It's, it's very quick. It's like, it's right down at the bottom. You tap on the screen, you tap all the way over to the right to give us five stars. And then you type a little thing about what you think about it. And hopefully we can get to the point where we have a bunch of those and we can start, you know, reading them, you know, sharing how this journey is helping people maybe give away some free stuff, that kind of thing. So if you guys enjoy the podcast, please try to give us a five-star review. Um, this outro is taking too long. I don't know how to end it. So I'm just going to say bye. We will see you next week for the famous nutrition chat.